Welcome to Rogue News. We are the preeminent geostrategic, geoeconomic, and geopolitical news show on YouTube and on the web. Join us for hard-hitting analysis, behind-the-scenes strategy, and brutal commentary. Find out why many consider us the place to get their news and information. Check us out at roguenews.com. Follow us on Twitter at Real Rogue News, Facebook, and most of the popular podcasting apps. Most of all, remember to subscribe, like, comment, and share. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, folks. It's the one and only V, the Gorilla Economist, coming to you live on this edition of The Outer Limits. And we have with us the scientists at large, the one and only Jet Blake is joining us. Folks, you can find Jet over in the Discord. And uh, if you need to get into the Discord, just email CJ, CJ at roguenews.com, CJ at roguenews.com. And if you're wondering where CJ is, he is handling business. He's taking care of things, and he will be back. Uh, to the regular scheduling broadcast. Regular, regularly scheduling. That's Monday morning for you, folks. I don't have enough coffee in my system as of yet. But without further ado, Jet, good morning. Happy Monday. Glad to have you back. Where where are you going to take us today, brother? <laughs> well, I was, I was wondering, do I uh, take the audience anywhere normal? Nah, this is the outer limits. Normal is not... Uh, we don't do normal here. <laughs> We don't do normal here. Yeah, this, ain't, this ain't coast to coast AM, man. Even though I love, uh, you know, coast to coast, they've been good to me, and I'm a regularly scheduled guest. That's kiddie pool. This is the this is the Pacific, right? With uh, with very few rubber duckies around. No rubber duckies. No life vests. <laughs> no lifeboats. It. This is sink or swim. This is high physics. This is high caliber. This is this is where it's at, man. Well, I mentioned before uh, on many shows, you could have, I don't know, say 100, 200, 500 people in, in an audience auditorium. And uh, the perspective of life, what people see, how they view life, their thinking process obviously would be different among the, the entire group. So you'd have some people very uh, simple in their view in life, their thinking process, uh, their goals, ambitions. And then you have an, an extreme, might have a few, I would consider myself extreme, where how I look at life in reality to the normal uh, Joe Sixpack would be very bizarre, uh, unusual, probably borderlining unbelievable. And uh, I, I accept that fact. That's that's just how life is, and it depends on maybe your personal upbringing, the way you're wired, maybe the DNA and the yeah. neural network. So I, I've always uh, been different. My parents realized that when I was very young, and then I had the special schooling. Not the short school bus, V. I knew that's what you're thinking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when you say special school, you got to be careful. People gotta be think careful. you're on the short cheddar bus, there, buddy. <laughs> this short, yeah, with uh, with my hockey hel- with my hockey helmet on. Yeah, <laughs> you started young in hockey because they were worried that you might hit your head or something. You don't you don't want right. to say that. You want to say that. <laughs> what, what, which school. I, which believe me, I did over over the years. You know, I I, I was a goaltender uh, a lot of my life and took a lot of slap shots in the head called ringing the bell. So I definitely got my bell rung, but um, it's, it's, I don't think there's, it's not necessarily there's any wrong or right way. It's just, this show is, it's very peculiar being an an advanced way of looking at life. 
and I don't, I can't read the audience. I, I can't tell if audience loves it. I can see, I they, can tell uh, you right now, this is one of the most popular shows on Rogue across all of our seven or eight platforms that we utilize. Uh, people love you, man. And people, the, the proof is in the pudding. And that's, this is why I, I never want you to hold back. People love it when you take the gloves off and you come out swinging. They love it. And, you know, I love it as well. It, it, it makes for a more incredible show. Well, I, I think if I hold back, I mean, to be honest, that's probably inhibition on my end. It's sure. either I'm nervous or I'm too worried. And I, everyone's probably saying, don't be worried. I, I am probably worried how I come across. Sure. And I'm like, and I don't want. Now, you don't have to worry about how you come across, man. People you, think, you, well, this, this guy's a crackpot, a lunatic. Nah, I mean, no, no, you no. have the right to think that. And, uh, but, uh, you know, I do have feelings. I don't want to be hated or, or scoffed nah, at. You're, you're not going to be hated. I think, I, I think what you need to do is you, you need to come on the show. You need to grab this show by the balls and, and go for it. Full gusto, no holds, uh, no holds barred, nothing held back. People love it. They eat it up. And they well, sense see, it. You know, when you go hardcore, that's what people like. They 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 feel it, man. Yeah, CJ forwards when people email CJ, he forwards it's and it's directed to me. He'll forward the email. One uh, one of the listeners said, "Tell Jet to quit apologizing and just get to it." So yeah, man. Stop apologizing. So I I I uh, I uh, understand that. And I mean, we're, I do we're, still, we're like we're, you and I are what? How many? We've been like at least two years in at this point, Jet. Right. Yeah, we've we've known each other when I was well, first on your show was yeah. almost four years ago. Yeah, but four years, the, right? And then you would have me uh, back more and more frequently, and it, it kind of evolved uh, to where we got to know one another, and then yep. more appearance. And then uh, you got taken off YouTube, like I did. So yeah. there was a gap, and then we resumed because you have this private platform now where you don't have to worry about censorship. So you had me yeah, back exactly. on, yeah, regularly. So this one's uh, today's show. I, it's it's very interesting. We're gonna. This is gonna be uh, back in ancient history. Gonna bring up some very interesting points to consider of ancient history, especially in the Middle East area, and how does that relate to today? So this will go back further than when I did the Crusades about the Cathars, where the Catholic Church um, yeah. started to attack. Uh, those, for example, in the France area, because they felt threatened due to ideology. And so, sure. but this one, we're going to talk about the giants of old and uh, especially giants after the historical uh, account of the Great Flood, because there, there's a difference pre-flood, the, the story and the accounts of the Nephilim were uh, written and recorded to where uh, former angels or watchers, uh, I, I call them uh, engineers. They, they kind of that movie Prometheus. Yeah, correct. That 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 movie had a a lot going for it in terms of what was disclosed, minus the uh, the uh, uh, celestial transpermia. That was portrayed there with the engineer drinking the solution, and his DNA gets into the into the water of the planet. Which you know they're con uh, you know they're connotating that uh, that's how humanity evolved, so to speak. That our genes have been tinkered with by these by these uh, these nephilim, these fallen ones, these engineers, so to speak. Right. So this is uh, this is interesting. Maybe I could just say. View this as uh, interesting, also a form of entertainment. There'll be some speculation on my part, because obviously I wasn't there, right? <laughs> so, uh, but the whole purpose, for example, today's show, I just want the audience to kind of uh, think in, in a perspective. It might be biased on my thinking and, and the schooling that I've had, but at least I'm sharing this publicly. A lot of this is discussed behind closed doors. I'm trying to use this show Outer Limits with the Rogue News audience uh, as, as best as I can. I am a little nervous only because of my safety, but I'm trying to give you, the, the listening audience, an idea of some discussions that happen behind closed doors that you guys would never be privy to. Sure. Just unless you run in those circles and have 
Uh, and then the schooling that I've had, all the instructors have long since passed away and there isn't any more teachers. So no, I'm, I'm kind of the last one. Once I go, I was one of the younger ones. I don't think there's anyone left that can share this stuff with you. So that Prometheus movie is, is very interesting. I think there's a lot of um, clues given there in that movie. The scriptural uh, account talks about uh, fallen angels or some of the former watchers. The, these are non-carbon based uh, yep. entities. They, they are, very, yeah, they're very old, way older than uh, us and uh, older than this solar system. And yes. uh, they exist in a different physical plane. So they operate under different physics than we do. So from our perspective, when they came down on Earth and they materialized, they, uh, by definition, they were gods. And, and there's, there's lots of gods, even the scriptures mention gods, but I, I say little G-O-D, not, not the chief almighty, capital G, capital O, capital D. So these, these gods that came down and materialized, we talked about these particular ley lines. They knew the physics and energy lines of earth. And they had these uh, cities that, that, that they were able to, to build where, even today's technology construction crews would not be able to duplicate what oh, they there's did. There's no way. They, yeah. So they, uh, there's, there's been many uh, attempts to alter DNA and different varieties of bipedal or types of human-like entities. That's there's been there's been many attempts, and, and some species potentially could be older than V, you and I and the listening audience, our particular DNA code. Now, the, the scripture reference, some people, it's up to you if you think it's a, a story or, or if it's uh, legitimate. I lean towards it, it really being uh, legitimate. But our DNA come from uh, the, the account they talk about Adam and Eve, which was a specific DNA generation or design that was approved by this capital G, capital O, capital D, the Almighty, mm -hmm. in that that realm. But there are other DNA-like species. So, if you look at today, many people have eyewitness or they've had encounters. They there's different names like Bigfoot, uh, uh, Momo is another name in the state that I'm in, or uh, Sasquatch or the. Sure. Uh, and you know what's uh, funny? Malone. You know what's funny is that you know they you know. Dr. Melba Ketchum, who got no, she's a geneticist. I think she's from uh, MIT or whatnot. She's very reputable, very well educated, a uh, lot of background on her. Uh, and she was absolutely lampooned, you know, by the quote, even, you know, by the cryptid community, uh, as well as the community of uh, established scientists, you know, the mainstream guys. Because uh, they did a, a, a sample of DNA on Sasquatch. And what they found out was that it had human mitochondrial DNA, was human. But the paternal DNA, they have no idea what it was. None. Yeah. Right. So I, the as far as speculation and some of the conversations behind closed doors is you have these... Uh, uh, I mentioned them as military type scientists. These these former angels, uh, alien would also be a, a correct term. Uh, the alien involvement, where they've altered DNA and they, they've had uh, very stout creatures. They've had marine style creatures, yeah. uh, where there's been mythologies based and eyewitnesses of uh, sailors that see these things and uh, some of the earlier diver even I, I guess modern day divers sometimes run into these these sea creatures that scare the bejeebies out of them very Absolutely. different looking um, but uh, land-based creatures I kind of uh, view the design some of these designs would be like a uh, a real rugged truck like say a Ford Raptor you know how Ford Raptor is is designed with uh, beefy suspension and high clearance Absolutely, and, and as as an owner, as an owner of a of a Gen three Raptor, I can tell you they are very beefy. Yeah, so you have these uh, 
these uh, entities, they're very strong. They're fast. They can run uphill. Yeah. Uh, they they have a real good night vision, so they, they tend more towards the, the infrared and the lower visible light, so maybe they're more active at night. Uh, they de definitely have underground terrain uh, facilities, and uh, they, they tend to stay away from as much as possible, you know, campers and hikers. And, and, but once in a while there's incursions and witnesses where whole entire families get glimpses of them and scares the daylights out of them. But you wonder, so what, what's going on? There's always been a battle over DNA manipulation or DNA design. So is there some groups out there that have the ability to manipulate DNA, but maybe they're rogue? In, in a sense that they're, they're doing scientific experiments, but they haven't gotten approval from counterspace. And then there's engineers, let's say from counterspace that manipulate or work with DNA, but they do have approval. So that's very interesting. These are conversations that happen, you know, kind of behind closed doors. And, and I do believe that we, we have both, that we have DNA design and engineering that's approved at the highest level, let's say by God or divine counter space. And then there are entities that have the knowledge and they're tinkering with DNA, but if what they're experimenting on or what they has not had the approval. So there's, I don't know if you want to say a good side or a bad side or what, what terminology, but that definitely exists. So in, in the historical count pre-flood, the, the Nephilim was an, a genetic experiment that they were, uh, giants yep. and references seem to say that they could have been as tall as maybe 17 yeah. uh, eight, 18 Og, Og, the king of Bashan I mean his bed was what 18 feet well I'm, yeah. yeah I was I was gonna yeah I was gonna get in, in into that the difference between pre-flood and after the flood so pre-flood yes. they uh possibly 17 18 feet uh they were uh, Nephilim or the the fellers they were all, uh, there was no mention of a female version. They tended to have male features, but they were hybrid, so they didn't have any genitalia. So there, there seemed to be some type of firewall that blocked this genetic experiment because the Nephilim were not able to breed. And uh, the, the account shows that when the uh, Earth went through the flood event, because prior to that, the Earth had an upper high atmospheric water canopy. So the earth had like a greenhouse effect when that canopy was broken and you had the flood event, the Nephilim uh, went bye-bye. And then the, uh, the fallen angels or the, the, the watchers dematerialized to escape the flood. But after the flood, there are accounts of giants. Now, not as large as the Nephilim, yeah. but giants that range between, let's say seven and 10 feet tall. And not just one or two, but actual villages and tribes. The females were also uh, very tall. So the, the females, I'll, I'll talk about who these tribes were, averaged between, let's say, 6'9", 6'10", 7 feet. So the females were very, they'd be, you know, wonderful in basketball today. <laughs> they, so uh, the females were, high six, close to seven feet, and the males were easily uh, eight eight to almost 10 feet in that range. And uh, yeah. there's, there's, there were absolutely townships, whole cities of these uh, tall uh, species. So I was going to talk about that and, and what's going on with the genetics. Well, uh, one of the f famous historical recorded giants was uh, people remember Goliath, the story of David and Goliath. And um, there was an account where the, these giants lived in the Philistine territories. They're, they're actually uh, a pentopolis of the Philistine cities that these giants dwelled in. They were the cities of Gath, Ashkelon, Ashdod, Gaza and Ekron. And uh, Goliath was from the city of Gath, G-A-T-H. And uh, the battle strategies uh, in, in that time period was quite unique. So they, they would take a valley plain 
of some sort. So picture uh, a plane where there is multiple, say, NFL football fields or in Europe, your football soccer fields. And one opposing tribe or nation, they would all line up on one side and then the other army would line up on the opposite side. And typically they would send their best soldiers to the middle. And, and many times based on the, the soldier's performance, whichever soldier won, that roughly, like, like say 60, 65% of the time, that would decide the battle. And then the defeating army would, would go home and it, it, it would settle it. Once in a while, 30, 35% of the time, all the soldiers, if there were thousands on each side, would engage hand-to-hand -hand combat. But usually they would uh, send their best soldier out, and that kind of decided the battle. So uh, in, in David's case with that, you, you can look up that record in the um, scriptures. Uh, Goliath, which was uh, around nine, nine feet uh, tall, some odd inches, very, very large in stature, he was the predominant soldier that was put up front and was in the center of the battlefield plain. And for many, 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 many days, he was taunting the, uh, the Israelites uh, army and they did not send a confronter. Um, he was very intimidating and uh, just as the weight of his armor and his, his spear and it just, well, he was a giant, right? So from Gath and uh, that that's when David came along. It was kind of on, by happenstance because his father sent him with uh, I always joke around. He was, David was sent with some snacks and goodies uh, to meet the, his older brothers who were part of the Israelite army and to see how they were doing and to report back uh, to the father, uh, David's father. And then when David got up there, he, he got uh, flack, you know, he's punk kid. What are you doing here? This is a battle. And he's like, well, my dad sent me to here's some snack cakes or whatever for my brothers and see how they're doing. And they're like, yeah, get out. And, he, and then the uh, as, as the account goes, there's uh, Goliath for many days taunting. And uh, and, and you have that account where uh, David decided to conf confront Goliath and everyone thought that he had lost his mind. You know, what's this this punk kid? Is he crazy? So um, the tribe that Goliath belonged to was the Rephraim. So you had um, the Rephraim, you had the Emim, the Zuzim, and the Anakim. So the ancestor of, the, of these giants that occupied these uh, Pentopolis cities were really descendants of Anakim. And um, Goliath was part of the Rephraim family. And these, these were all giants, very notable. And they, the males, especially the males, were professional soldiers, obviously, right? Mercenary. They were paid very well. Uh, for, for example, in today's terms, in a particular battle, these uh, professional soldiers, these giants, they would make in today's dollars, they, they would make easily between fifty and a hundred thousand dollars. Hmm. So uh, back then, uh, if they did one one battle a year, they they lived like royalty because yeah. you didn't have a hyperinflation like today. So that was uh, that was paid in gold or silver coins. One battle, uh, which to them was a piece of cake, they they had a whole year's earning. So they can make a whole year's earning maybe in one day or a couple days at at most, uh, mostly through taunting and intimidating. So it was a good gig for these uh, giants, and and that's what uh, Goliath was hired to do, and he thought that uh, this this encounter would just be another year's salary for him. He didn't think that some uh, 15, 16 year old kid would have a uh, rocket shot slingshot that, uh, according to eyewitnesses, sounded like a uh, rifle going off, and it pierced his forehead, you know, like being shot with a high caliber rifle. But um, the giants came from uh, Anakim. So they were a formidable race of giants. They 
settled from areas in, in southern Israel near uh, Hebron and along the, the coastal uh, area. And Anakim was a his his father was Arba, and there's not too much uh, historical information of of Arba. Um, Anakim was his son, and there's more information on Anakim, but it seems like they came from the Greece area, uh, northeast Greece or uh, northern Turkey. So today, you know, like say south of Ukraine sure. and uh, northern uh, Greece, which is interesting. They, these giants were not uh, Semitic, and they were not naturally from that region. I think if I do this, let me see if I can do this uh, today correctly. Let me get a map here. This might help. Okay, let's do my share screen here. Can you see that? Yeah. Is it okay? There you go. So if if uh, is my can you see my mouse moving? Absolutely. Okay. So they came down. You have you have modern day uh, Bulgaria and um, North Macedonia. So they came over from uh, Greece or Istanbul area. They were uh, seafarers, and they came over the Mediterranean and they settled on the Mediterranean coast here, uh, modern day Israel. I think there's another. Yeah, here it is. So here's an ancient map. See Philistia? Mm -hmm. Yeah, Philistia. Okay. The Philistines. The, the, the Philistines. So these giants settled in these. See, here's Gaza. Yeah. Here's Ashkelon. Ashdod. Right. Uh, here's Ekron and Gath. And uh, Goliath was from Gath, the city Gath. And Gath and Gaza were one of the last couple cities where the giants remained uh, down to uh, David's, David's day. When you had uh, Joshua and Caleb, they battled with these giants uh, after Moses passed away. They battled with the giants and were able to conquer a lot of the territory. But these descendants of Anakim still existed. And uh, that's the confrontation in um, David's time. In fact, some of the other uh, well-known giants that, that were in uh, Philistia was Ishbibinab. So Ishbibinab was a Rephraim. You had Saph. You had Lomai. And that was the brother of Goliath. So there are many of these... Uh, professional soldiers that were in battle and they made they made good money but what's interesting is some of these uh, famous soldiers of these giants they all died uh, in battle all their death came when they went up against the Israelites which was interesting because mm -hmm. they otherwise they were like 100% successful they were extremely wealthy they had beautiful homes and uh, they were like uh, like athletes today people getting their autographs and stuff like that but um What's what's interesting is as uh, their city ruins, for example, uh, Gath recently, maybe four or five years ago, they found it under uh, ex archaeological digs. They found the, the original city uh, fairly recently, and uh, it was massive because they had the doorways were ten to twelve feet tall all throughout the city. So that shows yeah. it was a city of uh, giants. And the walls, the city walls, were in many cases twenty to thirty feet thick. Right. Uh, and and then they had uh, they had special uh, firing kiln techniques, so they were baked bricks uh, that were hardened with uh, interesting mortar. So they were they were not only giants, but they were skilled in building their cities, and they were, they were well fortified, much stronger than 
other cities in the region. So they had that technology as well. So they, these large men and women, they weren't slow and sloth-like and fumbling, awkward, tripping over. No, they were uh, coordinated and skilled. They, they weren't lumbering dumb giants. So they had uh, masonry skills. Uh, they were involved in trades and they had seamanship. So they must have had also huge, huge boats when they uh, traveled primarily Mediterranean Sea. And then they would go out through Rock of Gibraltar uh, into the Atlantic Ocean. So uh, what's interesting is what happened to these giants? Well, th there's uh, there, there's speculation that they left that area that they were not driven completely extinct and they still exist today. But what they've done is uh, they, they retreated into your areas of Pakistan, Afghanistan, Tajikistan, Turkmenistan. And basically they're in the mountain regions of Pamir, Kunlun, Karakoram, these mountain ranges. And there's speculation that they're they're still thriving, but they're underground. They're in underground cities and, and cavern networks. And, and that's exactly what a lot of the legends uh, talk about, their yes. underground habitations. So to, to, to get a little um, let's, to, to get a little uh, woo-woo, so I'll do my stop screen share, is that um, there's something going on because these giants, and it wasn't, there's no way, there's giantism today. There's like World Book of Genesis where there's your pituitary gland and you keep producing growth hormones and and but that's rare here or there. And sometimes they trickle into the NBA. No, this, this was not a, a genetic abnormality abnormality they they were uh normal like this so they had the male and female they had kids and the kids grew up so there was definitely a genetic plant the the referium were known they had uh six digits so they had six fingers six toes 24 in in total and that that was normal so where did that genetics come from because it wasn't a one-off or two-off. There were thousands and thousands of them in these cities, Pentopolis cities. And uh, they fell through battle uh, over time, but they weren't driven extinct. They skedaddled out of there, and, and they've been... So if, if they're still alive uh, today, who's the origin of their genetics? Because it, um, they weren't sanctioned by counterspace, because they were uh, they were confronting our type of uh, genetic code. And they, they were very confrontational in the early days of descendants of Abraham. So you had Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and then Jacob had the, the 12 sons that became the 12 tribes. What, why, why that hostility from day one and that confrontation? And then they fled. So where did their uh, genetics come from? And what's interesting is, uh, will they come back as far as uh, a confrontation, when the texts talk about the last days of a, of a great tribulation and, and an event leading up to an Armageddon event, which is not a nuclear exchange, but it's it's a biblical expression, meaning it's a it's a reset, a military confrontation, but it's orchestrated in another dimension from from counter space. Will will they? Are they being bred and are they interacting with military industrial complex and scientists today as far as super soldiers and are they being visited by say certain high clearance politicians or bankers of some sort uh, I'm, I'm trying to give hints and talking in code are you following me so far Hey, Chad, you there? Yeah, can you hear me? Yep. Sorry about that. I had a FedEx delivery. Okay. <laughs> so uh, I, 
what 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 we're wondering is if uh, I don't think uh, human society. It seems like it was well thought out that there's been for at least uh, coming up in two centuries now, but especially the last hundred plus years, uh, a, a global incentive to basically distract mankind and primarily distract mankind with entertainment, vacations, luxuries, uh, focusing on finances, retirement, and getting mankind kind of taking their eye off the ball of historical facts and not being aware that there could be a global confrontation that will really hit humanity blindside. And if, if these entities do come back and, and there's some type of a confrontation, it would scare the bejeebies out of average Joe six pack because it's just not on their radar, their cognizant radar that this has been going on and that there is a genetic battle. And unfortunately we're kind of a, our genetic code is being attacked because there's other groups of say non-human engineers that are either jealous or don't like our genetic code and have competing human-like entities with their genetic input and they want the planet for their design not us our design do you follow me absolutely and, and I, I i see that um you take the last three years for example uh the bizarreness of i think this listening audience is, is definitely smart enough to realize anytime you have a global consensus, I mean, flares and red flags should be going off. Since when does the world ever agree or cooperate? But when they cooperated the last three years with uh, pushing the scare tactic of lockdowns and, and mask and six feet social distancing and all the governments for the most part really got into lockstep and agreed on that alone, I would go, wait a minute, this, this is suspicious as all get out. But there was, there's definitely a mass attempt to damage and alter the human DNA, the genome, and certainly uh, fatigue the immune system. So what's this all about where there's uh, atmospheric, uh, upper atmospheric uh, engineering as, as far as cloud seeding? with these metals yeah. and altering the, the genetics of food, wheat, yep. corn, soybean, and the list goes on. And then injections that were just hurry up and rushed, not tested, not validated. Um, data of ingredients withheld from billions of people. And they're just like, I get injected. Well, that's anyway. part of transparency chat. I, I, I don't, I don't get what you don't understand. Okay. And they did a lot of testing. There were six, laboratory mice that were given the jabs and yeah. you know five out of the six dropped dead that's testing get <laughs> it's totally yeah. safe so that what is with you um so you, you look at this and it's like well they really this coincides in the 70s uh when kissinger was younger and he was uh, involved in the uh, Nixon administration, you know, that's a time period when uh, President Richard Nixon temporarily closed a gold window, August of what, 71. And I don't know what the definition of temporarily is because it never got reopened. And then the the dollar wasn't attached. You, you know this better than anyone because your global finance uh, background. But uh, then uh, Kissinger scrambled with Saudi Arabia to, to get the petrodollar established in, uh, in the 70s. I don't know when that was, 73, 74? Uh, the petrodollar? Yeah, 71. Okay. So uh, he, he rolls that out. But uh, Henry Kissinger was quoted uh, very clearly saying that if you really want to control the, the population, you, you control the food. Correct. And then also uh, the medical. So why was there a shift from the 70s to control the really control and distort the medical industry and the food uh, industry when it comes to large corporations, large, large agricultural? That's because everything 
well, the pedal was put to the metal in, in the 70s to implement to where we are today, where there's obviously a, an, an attempt to either completely destroy this seven, 8,000 year old genetics that we come from mm -hmm. or to alter it in such a degree. It's nothing like the original genome. Yeah. Uh, I, I think, uh, yeah, they failed in the destruction aspect in a, in a direct way. And I think uh, this indirect way of altering it just enough where we're not carbon based hundred percent anymore could, could do the trick jet. It's possible. Right. So I think this is now we're in uh, 2023. It's, it's getting more and more bizarre. And then uh, they're not letting up on us. So as, as evidence comes out, it takes time. Uh, you and I in the show, as back as Jen's documented, back in January of 2020, the alarm bells went off and all the concerns that I had uh, were laid out. Now the evidence is supporting everything that was stated uh, three over three years ago. So as evidence comes out, there still isn't any uh, repeal. There still isn't any slacking off because you, you have the United Nations, the World Health, or who still ramrodding this. Uh, you have uh, elections. Look look at Brazil, for example, and some guy gets uh, elected who, who was in jail, and then they're influencing that you, you must get injected if you want uh, certain government subsidies or so what why is the the pedal still to the metal even though evidence is showing uh the documented harm and adverse effects that's because the the war there's definitely a war against you and i our family our children and uh what's this all about i think this goes back for thousands and thousands of years even back from from our original mitochondria DNA, that it's always been a battle against certain types of DNA design. And where we come from, the system engineers want us destroyed or at least altered to a state that we're not original anymore. And we become their jurisdiction under their right. intellectual property. So who are these gods, these little geo gods everywhere, non-human, human, what uh, pardon the language, but like, what the heck is, is going on this? It's really, especially the last three years. And now this is really out in the open. It's in our face. And I see the majority of people, I'm very frustrated. You probably see the majority of people are like, ah, they don't care that they, they, or they've already started this transhumanism, having their injections and DNA altered. And I'm like, what's with humanity? What, what is there only 3% of us left on this planet that are fighting and want to remain original? I, I really believe that it's that bad. Yeah, exactly. It, it is that bad. It's unbelievable. And then I, I, I try to the show new. And I'm not. Apologetic hey, you're, say, you're, you're, you're cutting out. You're you're in and out. You, it's like every other word. The last thirty seconds. If you can repeat that. The as as far as the show trying to keep it neutral, it's very uh, difficult because when I talk about these subjects, it, it borders. It's very close cousin to let's say a a spiritual warfare, and what do, what does that look like? And then when you get into that, that's you could be opening up a can of worms or it's a very emotional sensitive subject, but how do you not eventually bleed over into the spiritual aspect? Meaning, uh, is there a higher realm, say like heaven in science and field theory, we call it counter space. I think that that, that does exist. Is there an intelligence or a, a source or some type of entity? I, I absolutely lean towards. Yes, there is. Are there any opponents or uh, any life forms or intelligence that are in opposition to that. It seems like absolutely that's the case. The the, the scripture storylines talk about that. It says, when it talks about Satan and the demons, these were high-ranking, uh, former uh, alien-type angelic life forms that were in harmony 
at the highest level, but then broke off. So you have this feud and fighting, and it seems like our DNA, our species, we're caught right in the middle of this battle. And how can you ignore that or not talk about something is, isn't quite right? And should I or, or should anyone, if you recognize this in this particular timeline, should this be discussed uh, or as far as uh, encouragement or talking of defensive strategies or do you just stay in the plastic and leather world, talk about those topics and, and ignore the possibility of us being attacked or going extinct? Or is there going to be a, a, a huge reset, not a Klaus Schwab reset, but a reset coming off planet? And if that's the case, uh, what are the requirements to survive that reset or to be on the right side of this? I you. Uh, I, I don't know. I'm asking for uh, direction or your input on, mm. on, on, on how do you take. I mean, when you say, uh, you know, it's pretty interesting. You make a lot of the, uh, the celestial and planetary uh, warning signs that are out there. And, you know, on Fridays we have Vela's on and Vela's would uh, talk about um, one of the, books he's mentioned is the book of adam and eve which was written by a guy um or, or i'm sorry the story of adam and eve right which was written about from by a guy back in like the i think 1963 or 1968 uh and he put a lot in, in the book is about planetary catastrophism right the, the catastrophes that have occurred on this planet uh millennia ago and that is going to occur again it was so prolific <clears throat> that the cia called them in and uh, what they did is they, you know, debriefed him. You know, they, he had he had to be briefed with the CIA, and then they went out and bought every single copy of his book in every outlet out there imaginable. Uh, had it re-edited, had you know, took out some sections and had and put it back out there. That is how this book was. Now, uh, an excerpt of that book is available on YouTube, and I played it here live. And there are some serious geological changes occurring. Will that be within our lifetimes? I, I, I don't know. I, I mean, in that case, I mean, we're all in trouble. I mean, at that point, it's like you, you can forget about Bitcoin. You can forget about gold and silver. You know, you, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what you're going to maybe, maybe move to the Himalayas. I, I have no idea. <laughs> well, uh, let me um, let me do... Let me do this. All, all, the best I can do, uh, again, I don't want anyone, I'm not apologizing. So <laughs> let's see. Do you, can you see this? Yep. Hang okay. On. It's loading. Okay. Adding it to stream. There it is. These are the, these are the quakes. Yeah, this is a this is a three D uh, real time earthquake modeling uh, activity around the Earth, and then they scale it like where there's uh, detection of Earth movements, the severity, what depth, how deep are these quakes? Yeah. So you have this map in uh, in in real time. So what I'll do is uh, what what we're following is I'll just mention this. Our understanding is we have a second sun. I just like 99% of all solar systems are binary. Well, the, uh, our second sun's a state we call a black star. It's, it's not large. It doesn't have to be if you understand field theory, but uh, it, interacts with our solar system on a scheduled basis. It has uh, various speeds. It comes in hot and slows down because of the electromagnetic polarity of our sun and it. So it comes in uh, very fast and slows up, slows up, slows up, and uh, interacts with our inner solar system, primarily between Mars and Earth, and then exits our solar system and is kind of slingshot out. But as it approaches our solar system and leaves, 
there's a very advanced solar system harmonics where it affects all planets, especially the inner planets. Um, but even the larger gas planets, Jupiter and, and Saturn, every, all the planets are involved. But depending on when it transitioned between, let's say, Earth and, and uh, Mars, and it exits our solar system, where Jupiter's located, Saturn uh, all plays a part. And we feel that it's, it's these events that create great geological changes on Earth. Well, in, uh, in our solar system, once a black star gets at a certain depth, must make electromagnetic connection or, or grounding. That's just how the electromagnetic universe works. And it seems that that event happened in 2004, and that's what triggered that great tsunami Christmas Day. And I don't know, it was 300-some-odd-plus people that uh, passed away. It was a phenomenal natural disaster in Indonesia. So it seems like the portal connection uh, where it's grounded is right here where my uh, mouse is in this area of Indonesia. And it stays there. It stays. That's the portal connection until it leaves our solar system. Well, since uh, black stars are undetected because it's it's an anomaly, it's sending an electromagnetic energy that's far left of the electromagnetic spectrum that our sun produces. But it affects planets because it's been energizing our core since 2004 when it's inbound. So our, our Earth's core is absorbing and absorbing and absorbing and absorbing this far left electromagnetic spectrum. Well, what that does is that affects the uh, different type magma uh, in, in our Earth. You have magma that's close to the core and there's different consistencies of the magma that the cotton, continents float on, the, the, the glassy type. So as the magma heats up, it's like I mentioned many, many shows back, the old lava lamp in the 70s, when you turn on a lava lamp and that bulb kicks on, it takes a while to heat up the fluid, but then once the, the fluid's warm, then the, the bubbles start moving around, and it's aesthetic. It's like a piece of art, the, yeah. the old 1970s lava lamps. Well, same thing. The, the, the magma starts rising that's closest to the core, and as it rises, it's like expanding, pressurizing the interior of the earth, like blowing up a balloon. That magma starts rising, and it will displace the magma that our continents are floating on so we seem to think that the earth is getting ready to expand well if you expand picture like a hard-boiled egg if you're going to expand an egg and and you have cracks or fissures or cracks of the shell of the egg you would have to have the cracks so the egg could expand so the surface the egg shell would have cracks all throughout it and then all of a sudden the egg expands the pieces of the egg shell start to separate and, and then uh, that's what's going to happen is the earth, the continental plates are separating and they're going to expand or pull apart. And new new land masses are going to appear and potentially some of the border areas, the border land masses of continental crust could be submersed. So with that being said, uh, you have some corridors, particular corridor from this electromagnetic connection hey, here. You're, you're cutting out uh um, okay yeah you're cutting out again let's go ahead re- re- repeat the last 10 seconds uh from this core the the connection there in this indo indonesia this region where it's grounded you have one corridor that comes up and uh passes through japan and goes up along uh, russia and then comes over to alaska Mm-hmm. This is that Pacific Rim, the Ring of Fire. Yeah, yeah. they talk about, and then uh, comes down, and you have Vancouver and everything. Probably stops, I don't know, uh, somewhere around here, your uh, Oregon area. A second corridor. These have existed probably from Earth's inception. The other one comes south, so through New Zealand. You know how New Zealand has earthquakes and uh, Earth activity. It comes up, hugs along Chile, the coast of uh, South America, comes up here, and you have uh, 
your Ecuador and Peru, and then comes along the Central America, Mexico, comes through Baja region here. And then, of course, then it runs through San Diego, California, L.A., and that'll run up and then bump into the one in Oregon. So that's the, the second. The third you have that uh, – oops, it's going kind of fast. The third would come this way. Through the ocean uh, basin, and then it'll be affecting Madagascar and uh, Africa, and would come up on the east or west coast of Africa. And then the fourth, if I go back this way, the fourth comes through here, parts of India, Pakistan, comes through the Middle East comes through the Mediterranean. That's why I talked about, uh, you know, it was almost two weeks before Turkey hit. Comes through here, through the Mediterranean, through Italy, and then comes through Spain and Portugal. So uh, this is very active. So you had that earthquake devastating in Turkey. This, this is still active and will continue to be. And Italy, you're going to see major, major problems with Italy. It's going to make uh, what happened in Turkey seem mild uh th these are just uh these are just hot spots so this this is where the earth is starting to separate uh look look for i don't know if it'll be reported in the news i think a lot of this they'll, they'll probably keep hush hush but look for uh the uh ocean floor starting to open up especially west coast of africa it's going to be uh, ripping apart here and um, this, this Pacific ring is, is always active. But when it pops and it hits, you're going to see, could be wrong, but the, these, these are our predictions. You, you're going to see a lot of bacteria activity happening on this fourth arm here going through India, Pakistan, the Middle East, the Mediterranean. And when that happens, you're, that's when you're going to see the, the big ones start to hit primarily in the United States along the uh, West coast from Alaska all the way down through Chile. But I mean, you, you, you were talking in an event that this is a major event, just like it was thousands of years ago when the talk, the, the texts talk about this great flood. We think that absolutely it was triggered by this black star. These are solar system harmonics. So sometimes the black star can come in and out exit our solar system with minimal effects on earth sometimes it's a doozy this one's going to be a doozy so does it does it coordinate with the timeline of the ancient texts talking about this this reset when it talks about armageddon well it could i think it's up to the listeners it's up it's up to you guys to look at look at the events look look what's happening to the earth look at how corporation and governments are behaving think uh does this is this an ancient old battle uh, over genetics and control of the earth? If so, who are the parties involved? Where do we fit in on this? Is there a, is there a right side to this issue or are there things we can do or do we nothing that we can do? And it's just fate of some sort. Uh, that's, that's what's tricky. I, I have my theories and I have my direction and I spent my entire life on this, but that's something I've personally developed. And uh, I've maintained that I've worked hard to get a certain understanding. I'm not expecting anyone else to have the same beliefs as I do. And I kind of yeah. keep that quiet. I used to be involved in teaching this and being very, and I switched from that. I really don't teach anymore. I, I went to the science research and I keep quiet now. Once in a while, someone asks me, and I think they're legit, I can, uh, you know, spill the beans, but I won't do it publicly on any show anymore. I just don't, don't do that. But as far as the listening audience, I, if my opinion means anything, which my dad always said, yeah, your opinion and 50 cents will buy you a cup of coffee. So right. <laughs> if my opinion means anything, what I would say piece of advice is to, to everyone listening, I would I think it's worth your time to spend some time and energy and investigate this 
give us some thought. Uh, I don't, you know, I got rid of TV 1992. I don't watch Netflix or HBO or Disney streaming. Forget that crap. That, that, that doesn't mean diddly squat. I would, I would seriously look at what's going on today because something major isn't right. Yeah. Changes going on with the earth. We have walk, wackadoodle governments and corporations. And th this is serious stuff, man. I think this is high priority to give this the utmost attention because I think a lot's at stake. And that's as, that's as polite and mild as I could put today's presentation. Mm. Very well said. <clears throat> Jet, thank you so much for sharing this with us. Yeah, you're welcome. And uh, folks, we'll be back next week. Uh, same bad time, same bad channel. Uh, tomorrow, we got, it's going to be me in the morning. Uh, we'll see if CJ can join or not. And with that being said, folks, we are over and out. <laughs>